0: Welcome to uh, part one, (laughs) take one, if you will, of uh, becoming an armor bearer. Um, I've found myself in a a place where I really want to bring this training. I wanted to do this for quite some time, and it just dawned on me the other day that what a great opportunity it would be to do kind of like a midweek Bible study um, and actually share... uh, Break this down into segments to where I could just share a little bit of a, a bite at a time. Usually, this training is set up to do like at a full day um, on a Saturday or or something where we can you know, get through the entire training in one day. I'm hoping I can divide this up and kind of break it into into bites and pieces that that everybody can kind of catch on to. But I want to I want to talk about becoming an armor bearer and and uh, the the gist of this training. Um, when when I took my first youth pastor's position, I was in Durango, Colorado in um, 1997, I believe. And um, I moved to Durango, and we, I was with the Assemblies of God Church at the time where I took the position. And they had a, a district youth leader that was over in Denver, and he sent me a, a, a care package, kind of a welcome to, to Colorado district type thing. And inside that care package were two little books. Um, they were written by a guy named Terry Nance and it was God's armor bearer one and God's armor bearer two. And I, I read those books and what was crazy is those two little books given to me in the very beginning of my pursuit of full-time ministry, um, set the stage And and I really didn't realize what was going to happen there, but it set the stage for just exactly who I was going to become. As a servant um, as a minister, as a, a a man of God pursuing the things of God, and it, and it set that stage up very well and what I want to do is I've taken his um, his teaching, if you will and um, and I've tried to um, uh, condense that down into a, into a, something I could use as a training format because I believe it's very important that we learn how to serve. Um, I believe that we we if we're not careful we can serve incorrectly and uh, with that we're gonna jump into to take one um, of becoming an armor bearer and uh, <clears throat> with that I'm gonna just I'm gonna dive right in I'm gonna try to stay with my notes um, and again we, we, there's a lot of material to go through and I'm hoping I can get it cut into smaller pieces and uh, we won't take too terribly long of an evening to do these but we live in a world today that seems to know very little about laying down one's life for another you know that the, the very scripture reference of that and um, I think it's in uh, found in John maybe where it talks about how we need to lay down our lives for for another but we live in a in a world that really doesn't understand this 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 full understanding of this concept is vital uh, to, to the Christian especially if he knows he has been called into ministry Now, instead of offering ourselves to wait on others we in the church often expect them to wait on us. This is particularly true of our attitude towards towards the man or woman of God, if you will. Um, you and I will never flow in the an anointing of an Elisha. Uh, and I, I want you this is very important. You know the the story of Elijah and Elisha. Uh, Elisha wanted to walk in in a in, in more power than Elijah did. So there, he he was asking for even more than what Elijah had gone through. But if we want to walk in an anointing of an Elisha. We won't walk in anointing of Elisha until we have learned to serve in Elijah. Jesus said, No greater love hath no man than this, than that he lay down his life for his friends. John 15:13. It is not difficult to claim that we are submitted to Jesus. But the question is, are we submitted to another human being that is, this becomes a very different story. It's easy for us to say, I'm committed to Jesus but it's it's often not as easy to say I'm committed to another human being, another another person who may be an authority over us. <clears throat> I see today great ministries which are built around one person. What will happen when he's gone? It, it is of no credit to a pastor or, or any man of God to know that when the, when he leaves town, the sheep can't function. Um, the The sheep should never or should have their own eyes fixed on Jesus, not the pastor. And there should be capable men or women to run a ministry while in the pastor's absence. Where would we be today if Jesus had not put a portion of Himself into the twelve disciples? What would would have happened if on the day He ascended into the to the Father that there had been no one there to see Him go and then to take up His ministry on earth? What a what a what a sad day that would have been. I would I would like to ask every pastor. And spiritual leader, this vital question. And I'm going to use the word pastor a lot in this training, um, but, but however that focuses for you, um, it, it could be a ministerial leader, it could be the, the leader of a, a particular ministry that you serve with, it could be your local church pastor. It, it, however you, however you see leadership, that's what I want you to see. But I'm going to use that word pastor a lot in this. Um, <clears throat> find my notes here. Um, Where would we be today if Jesus had not put a portion of himself into the 12 disciples? What would have happened in that day had he ascended to the Father and there had been no one there to see him go and then to take up his ministry on earth? I'd like to ask every pastor and every spiritual leader this vital question. If you were to be taking off, taken off the scene today, where would your ministry be tomorrow? Unfortunately, most would have to admit that it would be it would suffer. Uh, Jesus' ministry increased and it multiplied. That's because there were there were armor bearers who were standing with him. There, there, there were there were the the armor bearers that stood with Jesus throughout his ministry. But I want I want every every spiritual leader that's listening to this this teaching to understand what I just said. Should God take you out of that leadership position tomorrow or today? Where would your ministry be tomorrow? What would happen to it? See, so many times we, we have seen ministries built around a man's kingdom instead of building God's kingdom. It, if it's built around a man's kingdom and you take that man away, that kingdom's going to crumble. But if it's built around the kingdom of God and for the kingdom of God, it doesn't matter who's in that lead role. That, 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 that kingdom of God is going to stand strong. It's going to continue to function. And, and like this happened, it, was, it may even increase um, in the change of that leadership. So the definition of the word armor bearer. The word armor bearer is listed eighteen times in strongest concordance. All of the references are from the Old Testament. Each of these listings is referred by two numbers indicating that the, the King James word armor bearer was originally translated from two Hebrew words. The first is is uh or or it's actually spelled N-A-S-A or N-A-C-A-H. It's pronounced nasaw like N-A-W-S-A-W. This is the primary word meaning to lift. It is a great number um, of applications figuratively and literally. Some of the more interesting applications are accept, to advance, to bear up, to carry weight, uh, to carry away, to cast, to desire, to furnish, uh, to, to further, to give, to help, to hold up, to lift, to pardon, to raise, to regard, to respect, and to stir up and to yield. It has all of that reference in the very beginning of that word nasa, meaning to lift. The second Hebrew word is is kele. It actually kind of looks like Kelly, but it's k e l e e kele, which comes from the root word kalah k a w l a w kalah, meaning to end. Some of the true or some of the applications of this root word are to complete, to consume, to destroy. Uh, to be done, finish, fulfill, um, bring to or bring to pass, holy reap, make clean riddance from these two root words is the it is plain to see that the duty of an armor bearer was to stand beside this leader to assist him, to lift him up, to protect him from the enemy that might attack until the, until the very end uh, and we're we 're going to take a look at some biblical armor bearers um, probably next in next week 's session. But what is the definition of an armor-bearer? In the natural sense, an armor-bearer is one who helps a commanding officer, a pastor or a leader, uh, with administrative affairs. The Online Etymology Dictionary defines an armor-bearer as a military officer who assists superior officers. It also defines it as one who helps, a helper to give help, give strength, support, according to Easton's Bible Dictionary. An armor bearer an, was an officer selected by generals and kings because of his bravery, not only to bear their armor but also to stand by them in the in the time of danger. They were the armor bearers out of our of our modern armies, if you will. In the religious realm, an armor bearer is one who helps, assists, and gives strength and support to pastoral leadership, to serve his or her delegates, visiting ministers, the vision, the mission and the church it is one who is able to constantly willingly be in place to be in aid to leadership and even aid the vision of the ministry or the church this applies to all those serving in a ministerial capacity from the parking attendant to the associate minister everybody in between uh, the janitors the 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 child care the youth the children's the adult day, whatever it may be the, the the sunday school teachers all of these people uh, fit into this category of, of being ministerial uh, support for that leadership. <clears throat> An armor-bearer is simply defined today as one who is willing to serve their leader as well as their church or ministry and support the mission and the vision doing all they can to see the mission completed. Again, with the reference back to the military side, you know you were to stand with your leader to, to Fulfill that mission to right to the end, all the way to the end. What is an armor bearer? What what are the requirements? Um, this is this particular individual that, that wrote these. The word armor bearer, Hebrew words bearer or naka, to lift or to carry um, the weapons used. It's used eighteen times in the Old Testament. Armor bearer was simply someone who carried the weapons their masters would need in battle. He would stay by his master's side during the fight and sometimes had the duty of finishing off those who had been wounded but not killed. Only four men are shown with the armor-bearers in the Bible, Abimelech, Jonathan, Joab, and Goliath, although there were certainly many more. Sadly, in the two of the four instances, the armor-bearers were asked by their masters to help them commit suicide, and we'll actually see that when we get into that next week. Abimelech asked his armor bearer to kill him after a woman dropped a millstone onto his head from a tower, crushing his skull. He did not want to be said, a woman killed me. Uh, This is actually found in Judges 954. King Saul also asked his armor bearer to help him commit suicide after being wounded by the archers in battle. He did not want his enemies to abuse him. His armor bearer was afraid to do that, so Saul took a sword and he fell on it. When his armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he fell likewise upon his sword and died with him. 1 Samuel 3, uh, 31, 4-6 through and 1 Chronicles ten four and 5. You'll find that account. <clears throat> the requirements for being an armor-bearer were simply loyalty and love for their master and bravery in battle. Jonathan's armor-bearer showed all three of these traits in 1 Samuel 14, 6-14. Joab's armor-bearer was named uh, Naharal the 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 Berethite <laughs> I'm not good with these names. Um and he was actually one of David's 30 mighty men of valor. So so um Joab's armor-bearer was actually one of David's mighty men of valor found in 2nd Samuel 23 uh 24 through 37. David was also King Saul's armor-bearer at one time. He loved Saul greatly and he found favor in Saul's sight First Samuel 16 21 through 22. Goliath's armor-bearer was actually called a shield-bearer. He had the task of walking in front of Goliath with his shield to protect him, found in 1 Samuel 17, He might should have held it just a little higher than he did. <laughs> might have deflected that rock. Once chariots were invented, armor-bearers were no longer needed in battle. The chariot began to serve that purpose. Some people today use the word armor-bearer to describe someone who comes alongside of their boss or spiritual leader helping and supporting them, like carrying the load in their daily battle in the workplace. And that's exactly where we're going to be talking a lot about. I know I want to reference and, and dig into the the biblical armor bearers and get you an understanding of what an armor bearer truly was and what they did. But ultimately, what I, what I really want to gain from this teaching is as followers of Christ, we're, we're, we're subject to, to some leadership, uh, or technically we should be. Um, we're we're going to sit under a pastorate. We're going to sit in, in a ministry. We're going to serve a ministry. Um, you know, I do both. I, I, I sit under a pastorate. Um, matter of fact, I have found throughout my years of serving, uh, I've, I've served multiples, and I'll talk a little bit about that as we go through these, but um, currently serving with a ministry, uh, i'm as a volunteer i'm also on their board and and it's something that um that I find very important when when we when we accept a servant's role um I believe that we we sign up if you will um, we we sign on to that mission we sign on to that task and and in doing so we've got to understand and believe in the vision. We have got to understand and know the direction that ministry is going to go and what it's going to do and what it's going to look like. In order for me to profit my leader, to do the best I can for my leader, I have to understand what that ministry is about and understand what it's doing. And and then I'm going to serve to the best of my ability. I've youth pastored for multiple ministers across the United States. Um, ministry is a challenging place to be. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Uh, There's a lot of challenges that come with ministry, but um, in serving that man of God and serving his vision, you know, I had goals and and through this teaching, I want you to develop some goals in how you serve in your current place of ministry, whether it, uh, whether all you do is is sit through a service. I I hope you get more involved in that. I hope you begin to serve in a capacity when you understand what it means to be an armor bearer. there are a lot there are multiple ways that we can provide the service that we're talking about in this training but if you're involved in especially as a volunteer if you volunteer with your church you volunteer on missions trips wherever it may be it is important and imperative that we serve the mission and we serve the leadership we become armor bearers for those leaders and and we'll dig deep into this as we go along or i hope to and i and i hope you gain something from it i i I don't ever want to just babble garbage. I don't ever want to just babble nonsense. I want you to to really get a grip on, on what God's calling us to, especially right now. We're we're serving in such a time that, it, to me, is exciting. Um, yeah, there's a lot of unknowns, and yes, there's a lot of uh, anxiety that comes with all those unknowns, and, and we don't know what's coming tomorrow. And we don't know what's coming at the end of this year. We don't know. There's lots of things that we can get bogged down in. But what I'm getting into today is we know our destiny. And as, and as long as we're plugged into our destiny, we can serve the, the, the man of God or the ministry that's leading people that direction. And we can be excited about that and we can move forward in that and, and build this momentum. Uh, man, a ministry that we're involved in, there should be a zeal. There should be an excitement because we're touching people's lives. You know, I you know I talked about, and I know some of you have have um, heard my duck call sermon, and and I love the reference of that duck call. Um, I don't have one with me right at the moment, but there's in a duck call, there's some components inside, and there's just this little cork and rubber piece called a wedge, and that wedge is unseen. Nobody talks about the wedge. It's you know, it's either made out of cork, it's made out of rubber, but if that wedge isn't where it belongs that duck call doesn't work. It doesn't serve its purpose. So, so when you think about it and you put into that, that focus, you know, oftentimes we find ourselves serving in a ministry that we really don't feel like we're putting anything real solid into it. Maybe all you're doing is greeting at the door. Maybe all you're doing is handing bulletins out as people come into service. Maybe all you're doing is picking up the offering during service. Maybe, maybe all you're doing is holding the door open. Maybe all you do is sweep the floor. Maybe all you do is clean the bathrooms up after service. Maybe you walk up and down the, the pews and pick up any toilet paper or Kleenex that may be left behind or you pick up the communion cups and no one ever says anything to you. No one ever pats you on the back. No no one ever gives you an boy or, man, you do good work or thank you so much for your service or thank you for what you're doing. Is that why we do it? You know, I spoke Sunday about... You know, what is your why? When I talked about are you a Martha or a Mary, you know, we, we've we got to understand what our why is. We've got to get refocused on our why. Why is it that we serve in the capacity that we're serving? And listen, if all you do is go, go pew sit, if, if if you ain't nothing but a bump on a pickle sitting on a pew somewhere, you're missing out on what God can do with you. You, you need to get involved. You need to serve in some capacity at your church or in a ministry or at a mission or doing something to bring your your gifts that God has placed within you to light and, and to begin to use them so that others can find their way. Man, what a way to go, right? What a way to end a year, what a way to start a year is getting involved and in becoming a servant, becoming an armor bearer uh, in, in whatever capacity that means for you. So with that, I'll close this up. I don't want to take too long on these. Um, again, I, we'll, we'll tune in Wednesday of next week. I'll pick up on on take two. Um, and, and we'll, we're going to dig into what it means and some of these biblical armor bearers and we're going to look at a little history of some of the Old Testament kings and armor bearers that um, that we have stories that we can tell about and, 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 and then we'll process some more through this. So hopefully you bear with me. I hope you enjoy it. If you've got questions, feel free to shoot me a message. I'll, I'll do my best to answer them. I am not a biblical scholar and I am not schooled in this, so I'll, I'll do everything I can to answer for you. But hopefully you'll gain something from this We'll uh, we'll we'll all grow together. Amen. God bless you guys. Hope you're having a great evening. Uh, Happy New Year, man. I mean, we're we're at the end of 2020. Uh, thank you, Lord, and we are looking forward to 2021 being a whole lot better. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great night, and we will talk to you again real soon.